Hey, welcome to the Fusion ATL podcast. This is Pastor Vance. If you're not familiar with Fusion, we are the young adult ministry for Victory World Church in Norcross, Georgia. We meet every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Feel free to follow us on Instagram at Fusion ATL. I hope you enjoy this message and we look forward to seeing you soon. Happy Tuesday. Good to see you guys, man. Thank you. I appreciate that. We are in our second official Fusion service of 2021. Yeah, man. Getting started off strong. How you guys feel like the year is starting off for you? Good? There we go. Yeah, some good reports, man. I'm glad things are going well for you guys. For me, it's been good. It's been interesting. Uh, There's been a lot of different things happening. Uh, I realized last week I didn't really share with you guys a a ton that is going on. And so I'm like, all right, man, let me slow down a little bit, you know, get a little update uh, on you guys and share a little update on me. So as you guys know, my wife and I, Gabrielle and I, we are now co-pastoring Fusion together. So that is, yeah, that is, it's fun, man. This is, uh, it's a new, it's a new place for us to be working together, sharing an office together. And, uh, you know, we, we wake up in the morning, right by each other, and then we go to work right by each other. We, uh, we started driving separately, <laughs> and uh, we, now we share an office together, working right together. Then uh, we go home together doing dinner and, you know, hitting the gym and together. <laughs> go to sleep together. There we go. So it's a new, it's a new, <laughs> it's a new journey. Uh, there's new stuff happening because before it was like, man, how was your day at work? What happened? Now I know what happened. <laughs> I was right there. I know what happened. I got on your nerves. That's what happened. And then we got, we got good stuff done. We prayed for y'all, you know, the, the ministry things, you know, putting things together. She's been working really hard. If you go ahead and give it up for Gabrielle, because a lot of this stuff that's happening right now uh, is happening because she's working really, really hard behind the scenes to make sure everything is put together and uh, you guys make it in here smoothly. And so I appreciate that. But yeah, it's a new season. I also, uh, a couple months ago in... I think it was November. November, I started uh, learning how to play the guitar. So just picked up a new hobby, if you will. I felt like the Lord was kind of challenging me in that. I had bought a guitar like six years ago and was like, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to learn how to play this. And then I didn't. But it traveled with me everywhere that I went. Like at the time when I bought it, I was actually living in Alabama. Uh, and it traveled with me. From there to Atlanta to us getting married to the first place that we were in, it moved to the next place that we were in, but it never got played. It was just sitting there. And there was something in me that just, I took a few lessons a few years ago and the person that I was taking lessons with, I don't remember what happened. I think they like moved away or something. You know, life happens. But there was like this little nagging thing because it was something that internally, internally I'm a pretty... Uh, optimistic person. I'm a pretty confident person. I normally feel like, man, if I put my mind to something, I can do it. That I didn't feel like I could do. 
I just felt like, man, everybody who, who plays instruments, they've been playing them since they were like five years old. They were taking lessons every day as their brain was developing and forming. And now I'm grown and it's too late. And that's just is what it is. And that's how I was feeling. But I really felt like God was challenging me in that area. Uh, it's kind of a long story, but I felt like he was challenging me in that area. I started picking it up and now I can play all right, pretty decently. So it's a, <laughs> thus far, it's a success story. Now I'm not like these guys, but you know, I can, I can pick it up. I can play it without it sounding bad, Amen. right? So that's a win. Uh, one of the things that I learned in learning how to play, I shared it with our uh, fusion leaders back in December when I was learning how to play, is in order to play the guitar, you have to develop calluses in order to play it without pain. So what happens is, you know, your fingers, they're pressing down these metal strings and it's gotta be with enough pressure to where you can hit the string and it vibrates and doesn't shake in the wrong way with your finger, you know, being weak and stuff. And you gotta hold it down firm enough for it to play clearly. This isn't the message. I'm still just sharing with you guys what's, what's going on. So don't read too deeply into this yet. Um, what, <laughs> what happens is you got you to gotta hold it down hard enough. And your fingers, they start developing calluses. Like God designed it to not be easy. It's been interesting for me to, to learn that. Like God, he created music. He created stringed instruments and, and how they function and work. We may have fashioned them, but the fact that they work and they create music uh, is a design by God. And we, we see David in the scriptures playing stringed instruments. He's writing the Psalms and he's like, play this to the tune of the lily dancing in the field with his mom. It's very <laughs> descriptive. And there was music, but he was playing stringed instruments and I just thought that it was really interesting that God, by design, didn't make the growth to be able to do something beautiful easy. And so he didn't make it to where, like, you can just play without pain initially. But actually, by applying some pressure for a long enough period of time, you can play without pain eventually. And I don't know about you guys. But it spoke to me because even in that process, I started learning a little bit more about God's heart. And so some of you guys may be in a season in your life that feels like you're holding down the strings and it sounds bad and you're in pain, your fingers are hurting. But I do believe that God, just like he shows in this small example where he's designed our body to adjust to pressure, I believe he does the same thing in a lot of different areas of our lives. And sometimes the pressure that we're experiencing is actually God building something in us, building a strength, building a resistance, building an endurance that's actually going to result in something beautiful. But until you get there, it's not beautiful. It's actually quite frustrating. You know, the first few weeks when it's just buzzing, it doesn't sound good, it sounds terrible, but your fingers are hurting and you gotta keep playing while it sounds bad, to get to something good. I don't know if that speaks to you. Like I said, it's not the message yet, but it spoke to me and I figured that I'd share it with you just as a little you know, nugget of what I'm learning personally. Uh, that's not what we're talking about tonight. 
We are actually talking, we're diving back into some of what we were talking about last week. Last week, uh, we did a message called Destiny Defined. And it was really just about what we're going after in life. And whether we really are being driven by the right things, whether we're really driving toward the right thing, and this tension that we experience between actually going after the things of God and eternal things versus going after temporary things. And I ended the message talking about how in order to actually get a heavenly mindset, there's a transformation that has to take place on the inside of us. Uh, In Romans 12, uh, one through two, he talks about offering yourself as a living sacrifice. And then he says, do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And we talked about the fact that conforming is about external pressures like molding you into something. And he's saying, don't be molded by the way this world works. Don't be changed by the way this world works and the pressures around you uh, and just trying to fix yourself up to look like everybody else. But instead, there's an inward process that God wants to do in you, regardless of what it looks like on the outside. There's an inward process that God wants to do in you to transform you and renew your mind so you can start thinking like him. Otherwise, the things that he commands us to do, his heart's desires for us, the things he promises for us really don't make sense. They don't make sense to our natural mind. We talked about the fact that Ephesians says that we are blessed already with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. And yet most of us walk around not really feeling all that blessed. And we're waiting on the blessing and we're pursuing the blessing. And so what's out of alignment here? And I I think it's this idea of the transformation that needs to take place. And so if you are taking notes, which I would highly encourage, Tonight's message, and the only reason I give you guys titles for the message, I really don't care for titles all that much, but I know that it helps you with your notes and it helps you remember. Like when, when things start hitting the fan a few months down, then this concept will ring in your mind. Like, oh yeah, that was that message. And so for when things start hitting the fan about you trying to transform into who God wants you to be and you're struggling with it, remember this concept, caterpillars and butterflies. Caterpillars and butterflies. I know it doesn't sound all that great, but I think this is really important for you to remember because there are going to be times in your life where you have to remember this picture that God put in his creation. You remember last week when we were talking about the fingerprint? That just came to me while I was up here, but it was really phenomenal. Just the fact that God placed fingerprints. It made them all different and everybody has a different fingerprint. And you can just get lost in the things that God has done, but he gives pictures of his nature, of his intentions, of his heart all throughout creation. And that's one of the things that I've been starting to see is more and more, just like the whole guitar thing, I'm seeing just God's heart is in everything he's created. And when we pay enough attention, we will understand more about him. So I want to pray for us before we dive into this so that we walk away from here really understanding more about God after this message, right? Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for today. I thank you for the fact that we get to gather in your name, that you're here in the midst of us. I'm excited about tonight because I know that if we grasp what you're talking about here, 
This will be a difference maker in our lives. Your word does transform us, Lord. Your word sets us free. Your word is spirit. Your word is life. It changes us. It brings the things that we need. It brings your will to fruition. Lord, you said that you never sent out a word that came back void. You said that you send out your word and it accomplishes what it was sent out to do. And so we expect that tonight, Lord, that as your word goes out, that you will accomplish what you're wanting to accomplish first and foremost in our personal lives. And then you will accomplish your will through us as we start walking this out. And so I just ask that you would point us all to you, that we would really have a, a focus on Jesus tonight, that we wouldn't just be focused on the unnecessary things, Lord, the distractions and all the things that pop up in our minds uh, but, Lord, that we would just focus on you and understand that your word is powerful. And when we listen and when we learn, you will change us. And that is the greatest gift that you could give us. So help us to align ourselves with you and open our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right. So uh, caterpillars and butterflies. I was reading about this because it's about transformation. So I was reading an article about the process of metamorphosis is what science calls it. I was reading an article about it, talking about how this works, and I was getting upset when I was reading the article. Like, I was just getting irked more and more as I was reading it. And you're probably like, why are you getting mad reading about butterflies? Here's why. Because as I was reading about the process, the person who was very familiar with the process and was explaining the process of how this works kept saying, nature did this. Nature provided this system where a caterpillar turns into a whole different thing. And it just happened. And it's beautiful that nature has done this. And I'm just getting irked because it's so obvious in my mind that this doesn't just happen. This is a phenomenal process. It's not one that we think about often, but you're, a caterpillar is one insect. A butterfly is a different one. They operate different. They eat different stuff. They go different places. They can coexist in the same ecosystem because they don't infringe on each other because they're different. That's phenomenal that one turns into the other one. And yet this person is saying nature did this. Nature did this. And I came to this conclusion. We have an issue with glory. And in our society, we love to give glory to everything and everyone except for God. We'll give glory to nature. What is nature? What is it? Just the stuff that exists? What is nature? But we can write a whole article as an expert and say nature did this because something in us has an issue with giving glory to God. And I really do believe that that is really the tension that most of us are living in. It's a glory issue. This living like the world, 
living like God wants us to live, focusing on the things that the world focuses on, focusing on how, what God wants us to focus on. I think it really all comes down to glory. And I think that we could all kind of sum up our lives if we ask ourselves these two questions in regards to glory. One, what are you driving toward? And two, what are you driven by? Ask yourself this question, what am I driving toward and what am I driven by? And in regards to glory, I believe that most people would answer this question saying, I am driven toward my own glory and I'm driven by my own desires. I believe that's what most of the world would say, even if it sounds callous or cold. It's, it's really what it boils down to because glory is high renown or honor won by notable achievements. Has anybody realized that most of us are moving toward some type of honor or renown and we're trying to achieve things in order to get that? Has anybody noticed that? Have you seen that take place in your own life where you may be moving toward, I mean, where you go to school or don't go to school, whether you start a business or you don't, what your financial plan is, where you want to live, whether you want to move or whether you don't want to move, what your place looks like, what you wear, all these things. What are you driving toward and what are you driven by? And I would say most of the time, especially if we're not really familiar with how God wants things to operate, we're driven toward our own glory. We're looking for some type of honor for ourselves, some type of recognition, some type of renown. And we're trying to achieve something in order to get it. So whether that's, man, I want my parents to think X, Y, Z of me because they told me that I got to be this. Um, or maybe, you know, I'm, I'm looking for honor and renown because my parents didn't believe in me. Or maybe they abandoned me or all these things. We're looking for, we got, then we feel like we have to prove something. And we're moving toward our own glory, and it's driven by our own desires. But here's what God says about glory in Isaiah 42 and 8. He says, I'm the Lord, that is my name. I will not yield my glory to another or my praise to idols. And so he's saying that all glory belongs to him. He's the only one. Who, are, who we should be focused on honoring and for his name should be getting renown. And that's really where our lives should be focused. It's what he created us for. Uh, we should be, uh, I mean, we talked about this last week. The fact that we're breathing right now, I mean, should just cause us to look to God and be amazed by him and honor him and value him and appreciate him. But reality is for most of humanity, that's not the case. We wake up, we're just walking around doing stuff that God enabled us to do. We're made in his image, and we're, but we're focused on like all these small things, all these temporary things. And he doesn't really get the glory for a lot of the things he should get glory for. He should get glory for turning a caterpillar into a butterfly. The fact that we know that that exists in nature should make us mind blown about God. But for some reason, we're not all that impressed. We look up and we see clouds and 
We get upset when it's going to rain. Because it's going to mess up our stuff or mess up our plans as we're riding down the roads on the earth that he created, breathing his air, his blood pumping through our veins. And we spend our lives really trying to discover what he put us here for, what all this stuff is here. Do you guys know there's still like tons and tons and tons of species of animals that haven't even been discovered yet? Like, that's crazy. And it should all be pointing glory to God. And yet the tension that we live in is most of us will spend our lives seeking our own glory, driving toward our own glory and driven by our own desires. Why? Because it's difficult to not be. The pressures that we live around, the opinions of others, what people are going to think of us drives 90% of a lot of our decisions. Whether we say yes or whether we say no to something, a lot of times has to do with what people will think of us, which is a pursuit of our own glory and honor. We're concerned with our own honor, not necessarily God's. We're driven by our own desires. But God says that the glory is his. And his desire is that we'll be driven toward his glory and we'll be driven by his desires. Have you guys noticed that these are like two polar extremes and most most people live on the side of just pursuing their own desires, pursuing their own glory, and most Christians live in the middle. We don't get over here. Why? Because it's tough. We have to take up a cross, like Jesus says. We have to die to ourselves. When everything else in the world is telling us, you should be great. Pursue your own greatness. And so no matter what arena we get into, we're faced with this temptation, whether we're in finance, entertainment, Ministry. You have a lot of people, Christians, who have not fully realized that everything we're doing is now for God's glory and driven by his desires. And this is an issue that a lot of us are facing. I am not exempt from this temptation It's something that God has been teaching me about. We all have to navigate this, each and every one of us. What's driving you? What are you driving toward? Is it God's glory? Are you driven by your own desires? Or can you say, I'm driving toward his glory and I'm driven by his desires? Because that takes a dying to yourself. I saw this quote earlier uh, talking specifically about Christians dealing with this issue, especially because there is a form of Christianity that's been preached that really focuses on your own personal success. And this guy said, the gospel is not about collaborating with God to make yourself successful. Just leave that up for a second, because that is... 
I'm going to just take a sip of water and you just read that. (laughs) Think about it, though, man. Most people in the world, I mean, if we don't have God, why are we here except to do something we enjoy and to feel good about ourselves? So that's what most people in the world are pursuing. And then it creeps over into Christianity when we don't really understand the message of Jesus and the way of Jesus, who was not seeking his own glory. But he said time and time again that he was seeking the glory of the one who sent him. And he continued to point the glory to God, even though he was God. But he was modeling what we should be doing, submitting ourselves and pursuing the desires of God because in the short term, that's going to be tough. It may not result in us looking all that great. Which is tough for us because we want to look good. Even when it comes to doing something for God, that can be driven by our own glory. Look at what I did for God. Look at what I'm doing for God. Because I want people to recognize me. I want people to think I'm amazing. Or I want to impress God because we think that that's what he's wanting from us. When really God is wanting to impress others through you. And that only happens when you're pointing things to him. And it's more than just a shout out. I was having this discussion with one of our coaches yesterday. We were just talking and uh, we, we got into this part of the conversation. And I was like, yo, I'm actually preaching kind of about this tomorrow, about this idea that a lot of Christians are pursuing personal success and personal glory and feeling like when I get there, I'm going to I'm going to shout God out. <laughs> Isn't that what he wants? Doesn't God want the shout out? Like, yes, yes, I'm very successful, doing amazing. I'm a Christian. You're welcome, God. When they interview me, I'm going to say, I'm a Christian. And then when they ask your opinion on something, you're going to be like, oh, well, I, wasn't, I wasn't trying to get persecuted out here. Just these are things that you have to think about, and that's why you have to follow God step by step, because we'll go headfirst running into things, not realizing that we're pursuing our own glory. And then when we get there, we're looking at God mad at him that things maybe aren't going in the way that we want for our own glory. And so I've, I've found that especially in the church world, because prior to getting involved in ministry, I didn't expect to be like working in vocational ministry. Everything that I had done was outside. So it was business stuff, entertainment industry stuff. Like I've navigated a lot of these spaces and I still have a lot of friends in these spaces. And when I came into the church, one of the things that surprised me a little bit, um, and I don't mean the church as in victory, I mean just doing ministry, paying more attention to people who are leading in ministry and doing ministry things, is doing ministry is a lot of people's mindset 
not necessarily the glory of God, if that makes sense. And so what will happen is people will get into doing work for God, but they still are looking at the world, wanting what the world has. And so then they live in this like in-between of like, well, I'm not all the way over here, but I'm not all the way over here. And so we have a lot of Christians who are just like neutral and, and, and there's no power there because everything is just getting neutralized. And our definitions of success, all of these things, man, these are things we have to go to God about. And if we struggle with them, we have to wrestle with him about it. Until we come to a conclusion of like, I'm either going to follow you or I'm not. But a lot of people are just living in the middle, not realizing that is not effective because the world isn't impressed. The church isn't impressed. And nobody's impacted because that's ultimately what God wants. God wants his glory. But if we're like, well, I'm going to do this thing kind of like the world, kind of like God, I'm going to shout God out. People are going to know I'm a Christian. Is that really God's glory? Let's, let's examine. These are the things that I have to ask myself because I have billions of ideas all the time. And I have to live in a certain level of restraint and submission to God to say, you know what? I have this idea, but I'm going to put this down until you tell me because I want this to point to you. I want this to go to you. I want you to get the glory from this. I don't want to just build something and then shout you out. And that takes a certain level of restraint. And the only reason I do that is because I see Jesus do that. Jesus had the ability to do anything. Anything. But when you watch his life, he restrains himself in so many ways. And a lot of us look at that like, well, I don't want to do that. I don't want to live restrained. But it was for a bigger picture. And Jesus actually had an eternal mindset. Jesus is no longer restrained. I don't know if you know, but for like the last 2,000 years, he's been reigning back on the throne. He was a very temporary stint where he was walking around on earth, having to deal with our stuff. But Jesus has an eternal mindset. And man, I just think that if we could, if we could get there, then a lot of us as Christians would start looking how God wants us to look, which is a picture of his glory. And so we have to ask ourselves this question, man, how do we change from operating like the world to operating like God? That's the big question that I'm diving into tonight because that's the tension that we're living between. We have this, we have this glory issue uh, that we're trying to navigate. And I feel like this picture that God has given us in nature of caterpillars and butterflies is going to help us. And so God tells us that we have to be transformed in order to go like from operating like the world to operating like God, we actually have to be transformed. The things that we do outside of him no longer work when we are in him. He says that we have to die to ourselves. We have to be born again to enter his kingdom. He says that when we were baptized, we were baptized into his death and resurrected into new life. We're now living a new life. We are a new creation in Christ. 
And it's interesting how we see this picture in nature of a caterpillar, right? So I have a picture of a caterpillar. It's an interesting looking insect. This is it. It's interesting. It lives on trees. It's fuzzy. It crawls around and it eats leaves. Now, the interesting thing is every butterfly was once a caterpillar that submitted to the transformation process. And so all the butterflies that you see flapping around, they once looked like that. Every butterfly that's flying all around, eating the nectar, was once a caterpillar crawling around on trees, eating leaves. But it had to go through a process. And caterpillars, they walk around with the genetic potential to be butterflies. However, and this is what the guy on the article was saying nature has done, right? Caterpillars are walking around filled with the genetic potential to be a butterfly, to be a whole different thing, to have a different focus, to have a different food source, to go places that a caterpillar could never go, live a much better life, filled with the potential to do that. Yet, what happens is there is a hormone called the juvenile hormone that blocks the transformation process. And so they have these cells that are like ready to start turning into eyes and legs and wings and all this stuff. It's like for real. It, they're called imaginal discs that they walk around with. And it's just like bags of cells that are ready to turn into something. God has you walking around with his spirit inside of you. He has gifts inside of you, talents inside of you. The potential to be a whole different person than you were in a life of sin. And yet, many of us want to live a better caterpillar life, right? Like the caterpillar could be like, yo, I don't want to, I don't want to turn into a butterfly. I like eating leaves. Why, why I got to be a butterfly? I, I want to eat leaves. God, why won't you just let me eat leaves? Every, all, the, every, all the other caterpillars are eating leaves, crawling around on the trees. I like the trees. I like the smell of the bark. I like all of that. I like this. I want to be this. I don't want to change. And yet we look around and I see butterflies all the time. I don't even really see caterpillars. It's the butterfly that's impressive. But I feel like a lot of us are walking around looking at the rest of the world. Miserable. Like they're miserable for the most part. In need of Jesus. And yet we can spend our whole lives not valuing the fact that we have Jesus, not abiding in him, not letting him grow us and transform us and looking around, wanting to be like everybody else that's eating dirt. And so I feel like sin in our lives is like this juvenile hormone, right? Literally, the, the juvenile hormone in a caterpillar at some point decreases to a level 
that the transformation process can start taking place. And that happens automatically. The challenge with us is it doesn't happen automatically with us. God has actually given us the responsibility to choose to transform. And what happens is the caterpillar doesn't say, hey, I don't want this juvenile hormone to be blocking my transformation anymore. It just happens. But for us, what blocks our transformation is our own desires, our own glory, and sin. And we have to choose to put that down. But a lot of us are like, man, well, I don't know exactly what God has for me. I don't even know what really being a butterfly is like. And I like this. And so I would transform, but I still want to do this. I still want to pursue this career, pursue this money, sleep with this person. I still want to do these things. I still want to live the life that I'm living. And we genuinely feel like a lot of us feel like God's uh, treatment of us is like trying to ruin our caterpillar life when he's really trying to turn us into a butterfly. Think about it. Do you ever spend time complaining about not having the things that other people in the world that you see have that God says are not valuable? Jesus said, do not, in Matthew 6, 19 through 21, he said, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth Caterpillars turn into moths too, interesting. Uh, Where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So he says that a lot of the treasures that we're trying to store up here are just not valuable. It's like caterpillars trying to store up leaves to eat. When he's like, but I'm trying to make you into a butterfly. You're not even going to feed on that anymore. I have a different food source for you. That's actually much better. Because butterflies, butterflies actually eat nectar. And I'm sure butterflies enjoy their meals much better than caterpillars do eating leaves. Uh, But in between this process, in between the caterpillar and the butterfly, there's this thing called the chrysalis. We have a picture of that as well. Uh, And the chrysalis is a time where they're hidden away. And this is a this is kind of a pretty picture of it, but it's still not the most beautiful process. And it's a time where this caterpillar is hidden away. Being worked on. Not changing itself, but having to submit to the process of change. They go into this chrysalis and, well, I'm going to just say it. All right. It sounds kind of nasty, but they digest themselves, right? And everything that they were gets consumed until they're what's described as like a nutrient soup. Isn't that nasty? <laughs> That's what the article I was reading. It's like they become like this nutrient soup. And the chemicals are working together. And these imaginal discs, now they are not being blocked by this juvenile hormone, start turning into the things that they're supposed to turn into. So like a leg, a wing, eyes. It's crazy, man. God put this process in nature. It's phenomenal. But 
in the same way, there's a process that has to take place in our lives. Uh, in order for us to change, the change is absolutely necessary, but it's not always easy. And a lot of times it happens in being hidden. But because we are driven many times towards our own glory, we don't want to be hidden. We don't want to be under the radar. We want to be seen. But you're not a butterfly yet. You're a nutrient soup. <laughs> which is a necessary part of the process. But most of us as young adults are nutrient soup. We just got a bunch of potential. We're not who we were, but we're not fully where we're going. And things are happening, but it's like, well, I got a leg, but I'm not, I don't even know how to walk yet. I don't even know what's outside of this place. How much time has gone by? We feel like forever is taking place while we're hidden away. But it's necessary. When we look at Jesus's life, man, we don't hear much about Jesus making a difference, making an impact on the scene, influencing until he's about 30 years old. Even Jesus had to be nutrient soup at some point. It had to be worked on and hidden. The son of God. I mean, he could have been doing miracles the whole time. He's God conceived by the Holy Spirit himself. But he submitted to the process. And so some of you guys are in a place in your life where you're hidden and you don't feel like there's a whole lot going on. You don't see a lot of change happening. You don't feel like you're looking around and you feel like a lot of other people are flying around out here doing their thing, or you're looking at the caterpillars and being like, they don't got to be in this cocoon. They don't have to be hidden like I am. They don't have to be tested and tried, and they don't have to go through struggles and challenges. And God is like, yeah, but there's still a caterpillar. No matter how, that was a fancy looking caterpillar, but it was not a butterfly. And God has a better destiny for you, but we have to be submitted to the process. And so I want us to look at this picture of this butterfly that just came out of this chrysalis. This is wild. This is just going on while you're at work. <laughs> this is happening. Caterpillars are turning into this. That looks crazy. That nutrient soup turned into wings with little specks on them and a nice little sleek design. Butterflies come in different colorways. You don't even know what you're going to look like at the end. But God's creating something beautiful. We should close there. One of the things that the, uh, that the article said, it said, butterflies and caterpillars don't just look different. They behave differently. One lives in trees and the other flies. Most importantly, one eats leaves and the other solely feeds on nectar. There's plenty of room for both kinds to coexist in the ecosystem since they don't interfere with each other's food stocks. Wow. You go to eating a whole different thing 
Some of us need to understand that God has something sweeter for us than our sin offers. But a lot of times it's difficult for us to believe because we're so impressed with these leaves. You telling me God has something better than sex? Yes, sex without shame. Sex without rejection and abandonment. Sweeter. Somebody said, I can't wait. That's funny. <laughs> you can wait. In Jesus' name. For real, though. A lot of times we're feeling like, man, I'm trying to eat these leaves. What's up? And God, <laughs> and God is like, no. I have nectar for you. You don't even know what nectar is. You don't know what it tastes like. But you can't get it until the next step in the process. Caterpillars might want nectar. They can't eat it. Does that make God bad? If you can't have what you want right now, does that make God bad? Say it again. Say it one more time for later when you leave. Online, say it. Think about it, man. If God has good plans for a caterpillar, do you think he has good plans for you? If God can turn a caterpillar into a butterfly, do you think that he could turn you, who's made in his image, given a fingerprint, breath in your lungs, his spirit put inside you, do you think that he could do something good for you? Do you think that he could make something beautiful out of your life? you think that he could make you more beautiful than a butterfly? I think so. Even that sleek black one. So before we go, I just want to share uh, three steps in this process of transformation. In order for this to happen in our lives, there are three things that really need to be taking place consistently in our lives in order for transformation to really take place. Number one is revelation. We need revelation, and revelation is simply this. It's when something is unveiled to us. And when God is giving us revelation, he reveals something to us. It's like he pulls back the curtain and shows us something that we just couldn't see without him showing it to us. This is how we come to a saving faith in Jesus Christ. A lot of us, man, we may have heard about Jesus a bunch of times, but something was different when we made a decision because it was like our eyes had been opened to something we hadn't seen before. Or maybe you had never heard of him or maybe you still haven't uh, submitted your life to him. But there is something special that takes place where God himself engages with you, interacts with you and reveals himself to you. And that's when we step into a faith in Christ that we're, that we're willing to lay our lives down for. Not I'm going to just oh, change up a little bit to be like these people in church. No. God reveals himself, and that's the first step to any change happening, and it happens only by the Spirit of God. We see this as Jesus is talking to Peter when Peter first realizes that Jesus is the Messiah, that he's God, that he's more than just an impressive man. Uh, Jesus had asked his disciples, who do people say that I am? And they're like, man, they say you're this guy, you're this guy. He's like, who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter spoke up. His name was Simon at the time, and he says, uh, he said, 
We believe that you're the Messiah, the Holy One of God. So Jesus answered him in Matthew 16, 17 through 18. It says, Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, which means son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. Meaning, you didn't come to this by a logical reasoning in your mind. Your brain didn't explain this to you. But my Father who is in heaven, and I tell you, you are Peter, on, on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And what he was saying is your name is Simon right now, which means like weak. Uh, but because of this revelation, this is a sign that I'm actually going to transform you into who you'll be in the future. This butterfly that you'll be in the future who looks nothing like you're like now, who is kind of weak and, and fragile and frail and flaky. But you're actually going to be the person who preaches the gospel for the first time. And thousands of people come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. You're going to be the one who walks by somebody and your shadow heals them. You're going to be the people. You're going to be the person who lifts somebody up who's been paralyzed and they start walking and jumping around and praising God, that's what I'm going to do with you. And it starts with this revelation. Oh, man. It starts with God himself revealing something to you. And what I've learned is revelation increases as our engagement increases. And so God will reveal himself more to you the more you engage with him. And we actually see this. Has anybody heard of the book of Revelation? Right? A great place to look at how Revelation works. It's called the Revelation of Jesus Christ is actually the full name. And it's just a letter that John wrote um, while he was in uh, exile on an island. And we get an insight into how this whole thing starts. He says, I was in, in Revelation 1, uh, verse 10 through 11. It says, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. And I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet saying, write what you see in a book and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus and to Smyrna and to Pergamum and to Thyatira, if that's how you pronounce it, and to Sardis and to Philadelphia and to Laodicea. And a lot of us, we can just go to the next part. But he explained how it started. He said, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day, meaning on a Sunday I was worshiping God. And then I heard a voice behind me like a trumpet. Meaning I was spending time with Jesus and then Jesus manifested himself to me and shared something uh, so powerful that we're reading it right now. What happened when an individual was spending time with God in an isolated place? He was in exile on the Isle of Patmos. You don't even know where that is. And yet you're reading this. Why? Because God can do something powerful through a moment with somebody. And if we would continue to submit ourselves and take time with God, he will reveal himself. And that is the first step in any change taking place. And so um, we can be wondering, man, why have I not changed? Why have I not changed? Why is this not changing? First step is spending some time with God. Peter was around Jesus for a while before this was revealed to him. And so for you, you may need to just spend a little more time with God. Spending some time in communion with God and he'll reveal himself to you. Uh, the second part of the process is teaching. 
And this is where we're taught how to apply what was revealed to us. This is why it's necessary that uh, we do things like this. We come to church and we, and we learn about the word. It's important to do Bible studies, man. Get with some people and study the Bible together. Uh, this is why it's so important that we have good teaching. Solid teaching is so important. And, any, and the Bible tells us, man, if anybody aspires to be a teacher, not many of you should want to because you're judged more strictly. Why? Because... This is not just about preaching and being a good speaker. That's not what this is about. That's not my focus at all when I come up here. It's, I, when I walk off of here, the expectation is that you engage with God in a more intimate way. You know something more about him. You understand his truth more. Uh, you need to be taught how to apply what has been revealed to you. And so if God has revealed himself to you as your savior, then you need to be taught how to operate. However, something that's very, 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 very important to understand as a disciple is your first teacher is the Holy Spirit. First teacher is the Holy Spirit. Your first teacher is the Holy Spirit, and that's who you measure your other teachers up against. And so when a teacher is sharing something that's contradicting what the Holy Spirit is saying and what God says in his word, um, that's probably not a good teaching, unless maybe you didn't hear it right or something. But First uh, John, he tells us in chapter 2, verse 27, As for you, the anointing you received from him remains in you, and you do not need anyone to teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about all things, and as that anointing is real, not counterfeit, just as it has taught you, remain in him. Now, what he's saying there is that not that you literally don't need anyone to teach you, because he wouldn't be writing a letter. If you didn't need anyone to teach you, he's teaching you this. So clearly, you need teachers. However, what he's saying is you can walk around confident that the Holy Spirit will teach you and that you are not ignorant. And so you're not ignorant where you need someone to, to share everything with you and you can't understand it on your own. You can't read your own Bible and understand what God is saying. No. He's saying the Holy Spirit has anointed you and will teach you and you don't need anyone except for who God is using to further explain himself to you. And so you don't walk around in condemnation or shame or feeling like you're not able to understand these things yourself because you are. My expectation is that you'll go and read these scriptures and you can come to the same exact conclusion that I've come to because I didn't write it. He did. Amen. The last one is testing. The last step is testing. Somebody say testing. This is the one we don't like. But God transforms us through revealing, through teaching, and then through testing. Testing what you know. So you're taught how to apply something, and then you're tested. You're, you're tested, meaning you're given an opportunity to apply what you know. And some of us are being tested right now. For me personally, I've been going through a real test, like one that's been really challenging me, uh, that I've been able to get some, some real, make some real headway in in the last few days. But long story short, man, somebody's been trying to steal my identity. Yeah, yeah, like for real. I'm being, I'm being dead serious. So 
Long story short, man, somebody initially, now everything has been rectified at this point. So I'll start there. Huh? Yeah, yeah, God is, God is really um, just covered and protected, but it doesn't mean it hasn't been challenging. So um, long story short, somebody hacked my email. They hacked my bank account. They uh, hacked my credit cards, had reported my credit card stolen, had, it sent, had new ones sent to them, and then rerouted my mail so that any mail that was coming to me went to them. Um, so... Here's a, here's a nugget. Get identity theft protection so where you can get some alerts, it may be worth it sometime. Um, so I was, I was pretty heated about this because uh, the person, the, the address they were having stuff sent to, like they kept putting the same address on my stuff. And so naturally... Naturally, <laughs> naturally, you think I need to go be a caterpillar for a second. <laughs> I need to go back to the trees for a second and do something with this location that they're using. And, um, right. Also, they, like I said, man, my, my mail had gotten rerouted. And so I'm talking to the post office, like, how are you going to let somebody just <laughs> take my mail? Like, I mean, if any of y'all tried to send me a letter in December, your boy didn't get it. So... I'm talking to the post office. I talked to them first on the phone and they're like, all right, yeah, we're going to, you know, reach out to your local post office because that's where it has to take place. And they're going to launch an investigation and you'll hear something ASAP. I didn't hear anything. So, you know, a few days go by. Okay. So I go up there and I haven't, I'm having to wait in a long line. I'm already tired because I don't have time for this. First of all, you know what I mean? Like you're, you're busy. You got stuff going on. The last thing you feel like doing when you're busy is going to the post office to change your address back to your address because they let somebody change your address. So I go up there and I go up to, you know, the little window where, you know, it's, it's supposed to be, you know, taking place, whatever. And they're like, oh, no, you got to wait in the line. Super long line. So I'm waiting in the line. All right, you know, I'm a chill because what's, happened in, what's happening inside of me is I want to turn up on somebody. <laughs> like, even if, it's not the, even if it's not the person who's stealing from me, maybe it's the person who's letting them. I can't fully justify it, but in me, I'm like, somebody has to get turned up on. <laughs> it, it, it has to happen. Somebody, somebody has to. And... Uh, so I'm waiting in the line. I get up to the front and the lady's like, what's going on? I'm explaining it. She's like, you're going to have to go over here and talk to them. I'm like, bless you. Walk over here. I explain it to the lady. She walks away like 10 full minutes. I'm just standing there. She comes back like, 
we don't have any mail for you. Uh, do you think you might have changed your address? I said, Lady, I just explained the situation. All right, here's the situation again. Let me explain it to you. She's like, oh, that's above my pay grade. Let me get the manager. She comes back with a, a, a paper like, yeah, he asked for your name and number. I'm like, ma'am, I don't want a phone call. I need y'all to change this right now. Because I already called y'all and you didn't call me back. Change this, please, ma'am, right now. So he comes out and he's like, I'm not trying to blow you off, man. Uh, but man, my computer's just acting up, man. It's, it's down. I'm going to get back to you ASAP. I'm like, all right, your computer's down. It wasn't down when they changed my address. <laughs> but all right, I'm going to go. I'm going to wait for your phone call. I'm going to condense the story a little bit. To the next day, nothing. I don't hear anything. I call and I'm asking for him and they're like, yeah, he's not around. Um, yeah, no, we can't, yeah, we can't do anything about it. Uh, but you know, what's your name? What's your number? Okay, we'll make sure he calls you back. Nothing. Next day, uh, nothing. And so I call again and the dude's like, oh, he pulls it up right there as I'm on the phone. I'm like, anybody could have done this? Okay, all right. So he's like, yeah, I see this here. Can't change it though. Uh, I got to get permission from the manager. He's not here. I'm going to call him, and then I'll call you back. Nothing. Every day they're sending my stuff to this address. I'm like, all right. So the next day, I go up there. And on the way up there, I had to call my friend as accountability. I'm like, I need you on the phone because... What I want to do is turn up. I want to turn up. I want to go in here. And I think maybe because I'm being nice, they don't take it seriously. Like, because I'm being calm, they don't feel like it's an urgent matter, even though they're sending my stuff. I think they sent my stimulus check, man. And so I'm like, I need you on the phone. Because what I feel like, I feel like if I go in there and I just start grabbing stuff and throwing it around, da, da, I feel like they would probably fix it, but then it would probably be worse because I'm a pastor. And so I go in there, I go up to the line, and the first thing I hear is, Pastor Vince. <laughs> I said, Hello, ma'am. Good to see you today. Hope you're blessed today. All right, God. I'm supposed to be being a butterfly out here. So long story short, God will test us. And the, the, the situation ended up getting resolved. But man, I was so mad. Like, I mean, I was hot, but I'm, I'm standing in there and the guy, he ends up coming. Oh, I, I lost your number. I've been trying to, I've been trying to reach you. I lost your number, sir. Okay. They finally, you know, square away the situation after a bunch of inconvenience. Uh, but the whole time I'm like, I feel like I still need to say something. 
turn up-ish. You know what I mean? Like relatively turned up. Say something. But God is just like, nah, you don't. Uh, and I learned, and I'm going to close, but I learned a few weeks before that, before, this, before I realized this was happening, God had shown me, I was reading in the book of John, and I saw where Jesus had put Judas over his treasury, and he was stealing from him. And Jesus had put a thief over his money bag, knowing that he would be stealing from him. And God's like, yeah, I was stolen from too. Did I turn up? And I'm like, ah. <laughs> but it was an opportunity. And afterwards, I was like, man, I really didn't have, like, I understand why I was mad, but I'm not, I'm not that mad anymore. And just in the moment, it just felt like I needed to do something. And then afterwards, it's like, no, I think that God was just testing me, giving me an opportunity for me to apply what I knew because he had already revealed to me what his heart was, what his will is when it came to money, that I don't need to be out here turning up on his children over some money that he told me is not all that valuable, even though I wanted to. But if I say that he's actually more valuable and I'm really following him and he says not to worry about storing up treasures here on earth, but then I'm over here turning up on people who are touching my treasures here on earth. What does that look like? And so I shared that because I know sometimes you guys are like, I hear you, man. I know he's testing, but I need to hear like a story or something, man. I need to hear this like applied. And so I figured I would share that with you guys because some of you guys are going through some difficult seasons. Some of you guys are going through some challenges. Sometimes it, some of you guys are, are hidden away and uh, being formed and being challenged. Some of you guys are being tested. And I want to encourage you, man, that God says in his word in James 1, 2 through 3, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance that it's his heart to test you and it's not because he wants things to be bad for you. It's because of something bigger that he's trying to do. And he's trying to get some more, maybe extremities out of this nutrient soup. He's trying to get you some wings. And I don't mean that in like a angel wing way. I mean, more metaphorically, like going from a caterpillar to a butterfly. Some of you guys are, were used to living life a certain way and maybe you still kind of miss living that way of life and God is trying to introduce a new way of living life to you, a new food source, something sweeter than maybe you could have even imagined. And all he's asking you to do is submit to the process because it happens in proximity to him. And so when you get close to God, He'll speak to you. He'll reveal himself to you. He'll start teaching you and he'll send people to teach you. But then he'll start testing you out of love. And it's all because of this transformation that he knows needs to take place for you to be everything that he's called you to be. For you to not be driven by your own desires. So you're tested to learn how to put your desires to the side. To not be driven towards your own glory. So you're tested and given opportunities to not pursue your own glory in certain situations. And I believe that some of you guys are being tested right now and maybe just needed a reminder 
And I wanna remind us of this 2021 challenge that I mentioned uh, last week. You guys can stand to your feet. Because if you didn't start this, then I wanna encourage you to start this. There were three steps in this challenge and it, it has to do with communion with God, community with each other, and then just commitment to being consistent. The first one, making a commitment to read the Bible and pray more this year than any other year of your life. That's where revelation happens. That's where teaching happens. That's where God will pour into you, share things with you that you did not know and could not know if he didn't share them with you. And some of you guys are, man, you're starving for purpose. You're starving for a word from God. You're starving for something to affirm you and yet you're passing up on the source of all those things by passing by your Bible every day. But you can make a commitment to reading your Bible more this year than any other year of your life and I believe it'll transform you. Second thing is to commit to your community by wholeheartedly participating in a small group. So that's whether you're leading one or whether you're joining one or whether you're just maybe wholeheartedly participating. Some of you guys have been in small groups but you're not in the small group, you know what I mean? Your heart's not there, your affections aren't there, your care isn't there, transparency, vulnerability, those things aren't there. And if Jesus did those things with his small group, I think he would like for you to do those things with yours. And the last thing was just making a commitment to be consistent. Again, the word for this year that I feel like God has given us is about consistency. But it's consistency in the right things. And so understanding that, man, I, I, I'm starting from a place of only understanding how to pursue my own glory, of only knowing how to be driven by my own desires. And yet I need to get over here where God has for me a whole new life, a transformed life, a beautiful life where he gets the glory and his desires are met because his ways are higher than my ways. His thoughts are higher than my thoughts. His will is perfect and it's beyond anything I could imagine. And in the midst of that, he blesses me beyond my own comprehension when I submit myself to him but maybe I've been stuck in the middle for a while and so if you commit yourself to being consistent in the things that matter most you'll find yourself edging more and more over here where God really has for you and so I want to pray and then we're just going to go into a time of worship and I want you to think about these things man think about making a commitment to doing these things more this year than any other year and then I want you to worship God, man. Just spend some time with him because we know that in proximity to him, he'll reveal himself to you. He'll share his heart with you and he'll start working on you. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for being here. We thank you for this word. Oh man, God, I thank you so much that you wanna change us, that you wanna make us like you. Lord, that what you have for us is a life that we're not even familiar with when we're not close to you. What you have for us is beautiful. Lord, I thank you for that. And I just ask that you would help us to open our hearts to you. Help us to lay down the old way of life. Help us to forsake the things of the past, to die to ourselves, to pick up a cross just like Jesus did, knowing that at the end was your glory and his blessing. And he's seated at your right hand. And you've said that we're seated with him at your right hand blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. And so God, I just pray that you would make that real to us. 
that you would make that real in our hearts and that you would help that, us to be driven by that and to be driven for your glory. We give ourselves to you in this time, Lord, knowing that you love us and you wanna be close to us. We love you, Lord. Have your way. Be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thank you for listening. We're so glad to have you as a part of our community. If you want to get connected any further, please visit fusionatl.org. You can get plugged into a small group there, and you can also send in a prayer request so that we can pray for you. Once again, thanks for listening, and thanks for being a part of Fusion ATL.